fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Happy Easter, everybody. I've waited so long to be able to say that to you. We have made it. Made it through Lent. It is now the octave of Easter, and it's The Kale Clark Show. On this Monday, the 10th of April, 2023. And you can call and talk to me for free at this number, 888-914-9149. We are live and in full effect on Relevant Radio. It's the Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. You can also email the show, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. I really appreciate getting your emails, especially if you see something in the news, kind of Easterish, maybe controversial. There's always takes on what's going on. Patrick Alog, who's sitting in for Jim Shaper, Patrick's producing today, actually sent me an interesting piece from the New York Times. And if you see something out there, uh, send it to me. I'd love. I, I and if it's if it makes the cut, if it makes the cut, uh, I'll get it on the show. That's for sure. And I, I always read all of your emails. I, I don't always have a chance to respond to all of them, but I do read for them them all and pray for each one of you who send me an email. Uh, that's for sure. Kale, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. I wish I had a staff of hundreds, but um, uh, but we do it all with a with a we're we're lean and mean. This this Kale Clark show machine, and uh, but I love to hear from you. And uh, you can send your takes, your comments, your questions to Kale, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. And speaking of making the cut. <laughs> Did our picks make the cut for the Masters? We will reveal all at the end of the show. John Rahm winning the Masters yesterday on Easter Sunday as well, so congratulations to him. And by the way, you can also find me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So again, happy Easter. Uh, We are in the octave of Easter, this eight-day celebration. It's basically like Easter Sunday extendamix for eight days. I love it. All the way up to Divine Mercy Sunday next Sunday coming up to kick off the Easter season. So it's a great day to celebrate the resurrection. And I hope your Easter was great. I'd love to hear about it. 888-914-9149. We actually went to the Easter Vigil Mass uh, this past Holy Saturday evening, which turned into, of course, Easter Sunday. We reckon time through the evening, of course. And I just love the Easter Vigil. It is my favorite liturgy of the year. It's absolutely the high point of church liturgies. It's the creme de la creme. And my daughter, Michaela, she's old enough now to stay up late enough to go to the vigil. So that's what we did. And uh, we went to uh, the parish of a friend of mine, a priest friend, uh, Father Michael Samos, who's known on Twitter as the at laughing priest. He really is the laughing priest. He's a totally joy-filled guy. And we really enjoyed uh, visiting his parish and taking in the Easter vigil. And so yeah, we, what was really cool was, and, and the kids love this, of course, the the Paschal candle. And, of course, the 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 liturgy started outside for those who were able to, to get outside. It was a little bit nippy, but uh, the sacred fire we had going outside in the dark of night, of course, lighting the Paschal candle, the Christ candle. And then, of course, that lights up the individual little candles, you know, those thin little tapers, they call them, those candles that you get. And Michaela's eyes just lit up. She she absolutely loved it. And so what I what I really like about about the candles at mass, and I, I love the smells and bells. I love incense. I love actual beeswax candles too. Now, not every parish does that, of course. 
They want to maybe keep the cost down, so they use those, I guess it's oil that keeps those sort of plastic-ish candles going all the time. But I, I, I must confess, I love the actual beeswax. And what's really interesting is that actually got into the liturgy, the idea of the bees uh, making the candles, making the wax, as it were, and also into Father Mike's homily. He mentioned, he was talking about, this is really intriguing, in the, in the Exalted, that, that beautiful hymn that's in the Easter Vigil, and we're going to play some in just a second. He started talking about the bees, and there's some lines in the Exalted about the bees who make this candle possible, the light possible. And it's really intriguing. And he mentioned, he just kind of a throwaway line in his homily, he mentioned that Pope Pius Twelfth actually gave a talk to a bunch of beekeepers just about all of this stuff. And I said, I got to look this up. And so that piqued my curiosity. I found it. I found the talk that Pope Pius Twelfth gave to these beekeepers. And it was incredible. I got to share it with you. But here's some lines from the exalted hymn. Here's the beginning part of it. You'll recognize this, hopefully, if, you, if you've heard this before. You've been to the vigil. Just play it. Play a little bit of it, Patrick. Exalt, let them exalt the hosts of heaven. Exalt, let angel ministers of God exalt. Let the trumpet of salvation sound aloud our mighty King's triumph. Yeah, and, and we could we could just we just let it play. We could just keep that going on. It's such great theology there. It talks about the Felix culpa. There's the Latin version, the necess the old, the old happy fault, the necessary sin of Adam that gained for us so great a redeemer in Jesus Christ. And later on in, in Exalted, you realize how much of a deal that it makes about bees, which gives us a lot of spiritual Food for thought. That's as sweet as honey. Here, here is the part of the exalted that talks about the bees. Check this out. On this your night of grace, O Holy Father, accept this candle, a solemn offering. The work of bees and of your servants hands, an evening sacrifice of praise, this gift from your most holy church. But now we know the praises of this pillar, which glowing fire ignites for God's honor, a fire into many flames divided, yet never dimmed by sharing of its for it is fed by melting wax, drawn out by mother bees, to build a torch so precious. Okay, so that, that there it is, and that, that's just beautiful, isn't it? And what's what's intriguing is that the bees were the bees kind of went away for a little while. I don't know if you know this, but it never it never left, of course, the, the Latin version of the Exalted that was part of the liturgy. But in the English translation of the Mass that we used to have, the old translation, that part was excised, if you will, from the English translation of the Exalted. So it came back 
in 2012 because the, the new English translation of the Mass, it got going. It was kind of getting widespread. 2010, 2011, 2012, it got out there finally uh, for Holy Week that year. The bees made a return to the new English translation. And, and there's, I'm not going to sing it for you, although I, I could try, but, but I'll, I'll spare you that. You just heard of a very, very beautiful cantor singing it. But some of the lines, this is the night of which it is written, the night shall be as bright as day, dazzling as the night for me and full of gladness. The sanctifying power of this night dispels all wickedness, washes faults away, restores innocence to the fallen and joy to mourners, drives out hatred, fosters concord, and brings down the mighty. And that, that kind of reminds me a lot of the bringing down the mighty. It reminds me a lot of the Magnificat, of course, uh, the beautiful hymn that Mary prays in Luke's Gospel, how you know, the, the tables are turned, if you will, the, the lowly are lifted up and the haughty are, are kind of you know, turned upside down. And it goes on to say, On this your night of grace, O Holy Father, and that's a reference to God, not the Pope, but O Holy Father, accept this candle, a solemn offering, the work of bees and of your servants' hands, an evening sacrifice of praise, this gift from your most holy church. But now we know the praises of this pillar, which glowing fire ignites for God's honor, a fire into many flames divided, yet never dimmed by the sharing of its light. For it is fed by melting wax, drawn out by mother bees, to build a torch so precious. And I love that, that the, the flame that is divided into many flames, of course, that's a reference to the, the light from the Paschal candle being spread to the individual congregants, the parishioners that are there in the, in the darkness of the night. And it's never, it's not, it's not dimmed by sharing it. it you, don't, you don't lose any of the faith by sharing it, by, by giving it away. You actually, in, in some ways, make your torch burn even brighter. That's what it's all about, to evangelize. And so these are just some of the beautiful lines from the Exalted about the Paschal Candle and what the bees have to do with it. And so, I, like I said, I, I looked it up. Uh, Father Mike mentioned this in his homily, and I looked it up. I found some of the talk online. The Internet's great, isn't it? It can be used for a lot of great stuff, a lot of bad stuff, too. But this happened on November the 27th, 1948. And I'm assuming this happened at the Vatican. I don't have the full backstory, but I'm guessing that a bunch of beekeepers actually showed up at the Vatican. And the Pope always receives audiences of all kinds of different people. And here's what he said. Here's what Pope Pius XII said to these beekeepers. It's so cool. It's such an amazing talk. He said, just a couple of excerpts from it. He said, quote, Your presence in such large numbers, your desire to assemble before us, beloved sons, is a real comfort. And so we express our heartfelt gratitude for your homage and your gifts, both particularly pleasing to us. I guess maybe they brought him some honey or something. I don't know. Some candles. <laughs> and he goes on to say, beyond its material and technical importance, the work which you represent by its nature and significance has a psychological, a moral, a social, and even a religious interest of no small value. And I can imagine, the as he's saying this, the beekeepers are probably sitting there thinking, man, I didn't realize my work was so very important. He said, look, your work has a psychological importance. It has a moral importance. It has a social importance. And it even has a religious interest of no small value. And the Pope went on to say, quote, Have not bees been sung almost universally in poetry, sacred no less than profane of all time. So he's talking about how secular writers and poets and, and even religious writers use this, this image of 
bees a lot. And he went on to say this, quote, Impelled and guided by instinct, a visible trace and testimony of the unseen wisdom of the Creator, what lessons do not bees give to men who are or who should be guided by reason, the living reflection of the divine intellect? Okay, I want to stop there just for, for one second. It's, it's amazing because he, he goes on to draw out, and I'm just going to give you a couple of quick quotes from him about the lessons that we can learn from the bees. And I think as we think about how to do church, how to be church in this Easter time, I think there's a lot that we can learn from this, how to, how to live the Catholic life better. But I like how, how the Pope said that, you know, we should, the, the bees can teach us, even though they, they are not guided by, you know, they, they're, they're, they're sort of pre-programmed, if you will, by, by instinct, by the creator. They don't have to think about what they're going to do, the worker bees, they just kind of do it. But we have to understand that we are people that have reason. We have, we have a rational soul. This is how we're created in the image of God. As Pope Pius XII said, it's the reflection of the divine intellect in our reason. And we're created in the image and likeness of God. And, and the image, there's lots of ways to think about this, but I always say that the image of God in us is this idea that we have a rational soul. We're not creatures who operate by pure instinct. We're not animals, although many people live that way. But there's also the likeness of God. What's the likeness of God? That's what we call God's grace. That's his divine life. That's what was lost by Adam and Eve with the original sin. It's what we get back when we're baptized, the gift of God's grace that he won for us through his cross, through his death, through his resurrection, the sending of the Holy Spirit. And so the image, everybody still has it. Everybody has the image of God, even if they're far from God, far from the church. That never goes away. But the likeness of God is lost and it's lost every time we commit a mortal sin, and we get it back when we go to confession or when we're baptized, if we never were baptized before. And, and many of you guys probably saw a lot of baptisms happen during the Easter Vigil. That's traditionally the place where, where it happens. People are baptized. They become new creations in Christ. Uh, people are brought into the church who are already Christians, and they belong to other groups, and they, they've come to recognize the Catholic Church as the church founded by Jesus Christ, the one true church, and they want to they join it. So they get confirmation if they need it. Uh, they get, uh, obviously, for some, it's like kind of a sacramental grand slam, and they get, <laughs> or at least a, uh, at least a, a triple off the base of the wall. And they, they get baptism, they get confirmation, and they get Eucharist. Wow. All in one night. That, that's pretty incredible. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. So that's, that's really, that's really what's, what's amazing. That's why we, we give people the white garment representing the, the, the pure soul that they now have, having been forgiven by Christ after baptism. All right, so just let me get back to the Pope real quick, because this is so cool, this idea of bees as a model of the spiritual life. Here's what he said, quote, again, this is Pius XII talking to beekeepers, and I don't know whether it was around the time of the Easter Vigil, this whole idea of the bees mentioned in the Exalted. He said, quote, bees are models of social life and activity in which each class has its duty to perform and performs it exactly. One is almost tempted to say conscientiously, without envy, without rivalry, in the order and position assigned to each with care and love. End of quote. And I love that, this idea that the bees just kind of go about their work. The worker bees, they don't envy one another. Everybody's got a job to do. There's, of course, the queen bee who's kind of in charge of the whole operation and very important that she's protected. 
and we'll talk about the queen bee in just a second, but there's no rivalry. There's no envy. Everyone just kind of does what they have to do and, and in the position assigned to each. Now, it's not to say that in life we can't aspire to move up and to improve our situation economically or socially, whatever it might be, but, but just doing it without envy, without rivalry, that's that's often easier said than done, especially even in the church. There's so many rivalries in the church. There are all these Catholic writers and speakers trying to compete with one another and you know gain followers. No, no, we should gain followers for Jesus Christ. And and St. Paul said in, in one of his letters, who cares whether you heard the gospel from me or Peter or Apollos or any of the other guys or other Apollos is a very eloquent preacher. It doesn't matter. The, the important thing is that you heard it. And... All of us are kind of links in the chain. Some, he said, I planted the seed. This guy Apollos came along. You, you, I, 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 I told you about Jesus Christ. I left, went on to the next town. Apollos came in, started preaching. You grew in your faith through him. But, but God is the one who makes it grow. I planted it. Apollos water, watered it. But God makes it grow. He makes the life of, uh, of Christ flourish in us. And so I, I really like that. He goes on to say this, that this is the Pope talking here, Pope Pius Twelfth, reaching back a few years. He said, quote, even the most inexperienced observer of bee culture admires the delicacy and perfection of this work, unlike the butterfly, which flits from flower to flower out of pure caprice. You know, that's kind of a shot at the butterfly there. But and of course, the butterfly is kind of a symbol of the resurrection in a certain sense, the, the new creation, the new glorified body it was a physical body uh, that Jesus uh, has with his, in his resurrected form and that we will have too one day so he's uh, a butterfly it kind of flits from flower to flower pure caprice it's uh, kind of unserious in a certain sense it might look good but he goes on to say unlike the wasp and the hornet brutal aggressors who seem intent on doing only harm with no benefit for anyone we think about the murder hornets that we saw of recent vintage, wow, as if the pandemic wasn't bad enough, we had murder hornets on top of that. He goes on to say, but the bee is different. The bee pierces to the very depths of the flower diligently, adroitly, so delicately. I don't know who translated I'm assuming that Pius Twelfth gave this talk in Italian. And the Vatican always has a translator that's on, on the file. Whoever translated this into English was pretty good adroitly nobody nobody uses that word adroit anymore that's a pretty good one and so delicately once it once its precious treasure has been gathered it gently leaves the flowers without having injured in the least the light texture of their garments or caused a single one of their petals the loss of its immaculate freshness i love that so they're doing their work really really well really conscientiously to perfection and that's what we have to do as well and he goes on to say this loaded down with sweet scented nectar pollen Without capricious gyrations, without lazy delays, swift as an arrow, with precise, unerring, certain flight, it returns to the hive, where valorous work goes on intensely to process the riches so carefully garnered to produce the wax and the honey. Ah, if men and women could and would listen to the lesson of the bees, if each one knew how to do his daily duty with order, and love at the post assigned to him by providence. If everyone knew how to enjoy, love, and use in the intimate harmony of the domestic hearth, the domestic home, the little treasures accumulated away from home during his working day. 
so much to be said there. This idea of doing your daily work well with order. And without without order, there really is no virtue. And this idea of, hey, when, when you can enjoy the things of the world, but not be attached to them. You, you, you gain treasure in the work world, if you will, but being able to, to come home and and use the things of the earth that we need to use to help get us and other people to heaven and, and try to live our lives, but not be attached to these things. He goes on to say that if we could only do this, if we with, with delicacy and elegance could speak as a Christian with charity in our dealings with our fellow people, we would profit from the truth, the beauty conceived in the mind, from the nobility and goodness carried about in the intimate depths of our hearts, without offending by indiscretion and stupidity, without soiling the purity of their thought and their love. If only we knew how to assimilate, how to assimilate without jealousy and pride the riches acquired by contact with our brothers and to develop them in their turn by reflection and the work of their own minds and hearts. In, in, in a word, if they learn to do by intelligence and wisdom what bees do by instinct, how much better the world could be, how much better the world would be. So that is just so neat. We, we could say so many things about that. If we could only learn the lesson of the bees, if we could sort of copy what they do by instinct and, and, and intentionally carry out these, these virtues in our own lives, that would be really, really cool. And we would really do uh, produce a fine witness, I think, for, for the faith. And so he kind of ends off his talk to the beekeepers by saying, hey, while you're, while you're doing your work, while you're working over your beehives, you're performing with care all the work for your bees, don't forget, let your spirits rise, he says, in mystic flight to experience the kindness of God, to taste the sweetness of his word and his law. The divine light symbolized by the burning flame of the candle, product of the mother bee, as the church sings in her liturgy of Holy Saturday. He talks about how the melting wax the mother bee produces for, for the candle. So there's so much to be said here, and I just thought that was really a cool thing to think about, the bees that make the candle. We can learn so much from them about how to bring the light of Christ into the world and the sweetness of the gospel. It should be as sweet as honey to the people that are listening to us. Well, much more after the break, plus your phone calls. It's the Cale Clark Show. It is the Easter octave, Monday of Easter week, 888-914-9149. Very good, Patrick. I love the tune. Catch you in a minute. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Kale a call at 888 888- 914-9149. That's right. You can also send me a question through email, kale at relevantradio.com or on Twitter at Kale Clark. C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And we're talking about Easter, of course, on this Easter Monday. Uh, we were talking before the break about the work of bees in the Exalted, the great hymn that is sung during the Easter Vigil. It talks a lot about bees and how they 
provide for us uh, honey, which is pretty awesome, and also beeswax, such as we might find in the Christ candle, the Paschal candle. And one of the things that we we didn't mention is the queen bee. And uh, the queen bee, of course, can represent Mary. And she's kind of the queen bee who is presiding over the church, if you will. And believe it or not, there's actually some versions of the Exalted that, that makes it pretty explicit. There's a Franco-Roman version, apparently, that has a, a longer section about loving the bees. And um, it actually talks about how, how the queen bee is like the Virgin Mary. And there is an old belief in the, in the ancient world, before they kind of figured stuff out, that they, they thought that bees reproduced without without relations, if you will. <laughs> and so it was thought that uh, bees and other f- smaller flying animals were kind of spontaneously generated from the carcasses of animals. There's always, you know, flies buzzing around a, a dead body kind of thing. And even St. Augustine in The City of God, he says that bees have no distinction of male or female. And, and they, they, obviously the ancients weren't right about this. Pliny talked about this in his Natural History. He actually said that bees created their young by weaving them together out of the parts of flowers, which is kind of a, kind of a, a nice thought, but that's not how it happens, obviously. But here's, here's what the... Um, uh, the the Franco-Roman version of the Exalted says about Mary. Uh, it says that she's kind of like the queen bee, just as Holy Mary, conceived as a virgin, gave birth as a virgin, remained a virgin. Uh, talks about the queen bee as being a truly marvelous bee. And children, having children, has nothing to do with her purity. It, 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 there's no male bee involved. So it's it's... They, they were wrong about how bees reproduce, but you get the point. You get the point. There's kind of a, a spiritual point to it. And there's so many great spiritual insights, too, about, about honey, of course, the land flowing with milk and honey. That's the holy land. And we talked in our Exodus series on the faith, explained about how God freed the Israelites, parted the Red Sea. And that's a big part of what happens during the Easter Vigil as well. The Paschal candle is kind of plunged into the baptismal font and sanctifies the waters of baptism. Uh, just as Moses took his staff and and parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could escape from the armies of the enemy. Pharaoh, who's kind of like an archetype of the devil and and his his wicked army, tried to chase the Israelites who were drowned in the sea. And just like that, when we are buried with Christ in baptism, and sometimes immersions happen during the Easter Vigil, if they have an immersion tank, if you will, some parishes have that, it's a great image, it's a great picture of how we are died and then brought back to life. We die with Christ, we're brought back to new life in him. And it's a lot like the people of God escaping from the devil through the waters, escaping from Pharaoh and his armies through the waters and being set free. And of course, that's one of the readings. There's so many great readings uh, during the Easter Vigil from the Old Testament setting up the delivery that, that Christ brings. So there's this idea of the candle, of course. The candle gives light and honey from the bees, light and honey, such biblical metaphors. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, we are the light of the world. We reflect his light, like the moon reflects the sun. Of course, Mary's like the moon. Nobody reflects the light of Christ more than her. We have to as well. And so many great teachers and preachers throughout the centuries were said to have a a honeyed tongue, if you will, like St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, 
St. Anthony of Padua, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, Isidore of Seville. There's so many. And we, we kind of have to do that as well. We have to kind of speak in tongues. We have to, we have, to have that honey, that, that, that sweetness of the gospel, and, and somehow make it known, make it understood to our friends and family, our coworkers, everybody. And we're going to celebrate Pentecost in a, in a little while. And this idea that the gift of tongues that the apostles got in order that people could understand the gospel in their language. And we won't be speaking different languages in all likelihood. Um, but, but we do have to kind of speak the language of the people that we know. We really have to know two languages, the language of the gospel. And also we have to know that the language our friends are speaking, as it were, and, and, and kind of connect those two worlds. So I just love this whole concept, the, the, the comparison of the bee. They never stop working. They never work for themselves. They work for the hive. They work for the good of all. That's what we kind of have to do as well. And St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus, Opus Dei, he, he said this, when you've finished your work, do your brother's work. Kind of like those worker bees. But you have to do it in kind of a natural way, a very natural way. He said, when you've finished your work, do your brother's helping him for Christ's sake, so tactfully and so naturally that no one, not even he, will realize that you are doing more than what injustice you ought this indeed is virtue befitting a son of God. And so this idea of the worker bee, it just kind of keeps on working. There's no concept of retirement. They, they, just, they, they just die at the end. <laughs> but there is no, it's, I, once, I remember hearing uh, that rabbis were talking about this, that for rabbis, they say, well, Hebrew is really the language of God. It's the language of the Torah, the Old Testament. So if there, they used to say that if there is no word in Hebrew, then the concept doesn't really exist. It's not real. And it turns out there is no Hebrew word for retirement. So they say, there's no such thing as retirement. They might say, well, there, there is. There, there is a retirement, and I, I'd love to just spend it playing golf. But uh, working, I'll be working. I'll be working on my short game. But, but this idea, there is something to that, that we're sort of made for work. We're made for work like those bees and, and to do it well, to do it for the glory of God. And even, even on Easter, my, my father-in-law told me, he kind of surprised me by saying that, hey, he's going to go back to work. He, he was in sales, and he, he's going to go back into his, into his old career. Not full-time, but you know, a couple days a week. He's been retired for a while, and, and he, and he kind of, in some ways, misses that. And that's great. I think, I think it's, that's really exciting. And so, so many comparisons with the bees. And I'm glad that you have decided to be here with me on the K.O. Clark Show, 888 Nine one four nine is the number to call. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Steve in Minneapolis. Hi, Steve. Hi, Kale. How you doing? Great. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. Hey, I'm calling to say about about a year ago, I started listening to uh, Relevant Radio, and for some reason, I I ended up on one of your listener commercials that they play all the time. Uh, oh really? Our call, our <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny driving down the road and listening to your own self on the radio. But um, it for you, I mean, that's a daily occurrence. For me, it was quite a quite a big deal. But I, I called about purgatory, and you answered the question, and I, I remarked by saying, "Well, I don't know where I'm going to land on all this Catholic stuff, but you really got me thinking, and mm. um, I'm pleased to tell you that." Uh, it was at the Easter Vigil that I, after a year of RCIA and a lot of soul-searching, a lot of reading, a lot of listening to Kale Clark on the radio, I am now officially have come into the church. Oh, 
Thank God. Praise God, Steve. That 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 is so amazing. I'm so glad that you called back in to to tell us that. That's incredible. Congratulations, and, and Kale, I mean, uh, thank you. And and honestly, I don't say this lightly. And I know that everybody calls gives you gives you kudos, which you deserve, I believe. But your show in particular really. Um, answered a lot of questions and you didn't even realize this but you are slowly discipling me over the last year through different different um radio episodes where i'd have questions and i'd be reading a scott Hahn book in the evening and then you'd talk about it in the in the morning <laughs> or or later in the, in the in the drive home and it's just I, I feel like you have been a mentor to me in many ways and then there's also some affinity in the sense that um, I'm not Canadian. Well, I'm sort of Canadian. I was born in Canada. I was born oh. in Kingston, Ontario. Wow. And also, I uh, here's a little twist to this whole thing. I was a Protestant minister for quite a few years. Oh. So, so I, I know you were too. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I could tell. I know that this isn't a private conversation because, because, like, there's millions of people listening. But I, um, I, I just needed to call you and tell you that God used you to bring me home. And uh, I, I just want to thank you. And I, I, I'm thrilled to um, have my questions answered. But more than that, I feel like um, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And now I'm praying for my family, because um, there's a lot of people in my life that uh, need to experience. Uh, I, I didn't get a, a triple play on, on Saturday night, but I got a double. Um, I, I, got, I, I got confirmed, and mm-hmm. I took my first communion. Wow. And uh and the week prior to that, I went through the sacrament of confession. And let me tell you something. Um, for anybody who's listening, until you do that, you can't explain it other than it is the most freeing, refreshing, renewal, and empowering because uh, there has been more, um, I don't how do I say it, uh, victory in my life since that time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I've been freed from things wow. that I was carrying. Um, and then on top of it all, I say to my Protestant buddies who go, what are you doing? I said, it's <laughs> about the sacraments. I, you know, they, they wonder what I'm doing. And I said, well, I've come home, and I said, uh, I didn't make this decision lightly, but I said, the Protestant faith gets you to a certain point. But I said, without the sacraments, you can't go the whole distance. And I said, I, I just didn't want to stand before God someday and realize that I came up shorthanded. And I told my buddy, I said, it's like eating, you can have a hot dog on a picnic table, and that'll feed you. But I said I'd rather pull up to a banquet and have the full, um, the full table with yeah. with the candlesticks and with all the sacraments <laughs> that involve a, a beautiful meal with the saints, with Mary, with Joseph, with everyone around the table. I, I said, you know, the picnic table you could probably survive and, and 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 live a little while on that. But I said I'm done with that. I want the full banquet that the Catholic Church offers and. Um, so anyways, I could go on and on, and i got to respect your time, but I, no, no, I just want to thank you great, Steve. in particular. It, it, and by the way, I heard the B thing, at, and I thought to myself, <laughs> I've never heard that. I mean, in this individual, I caught that because they were singing that at, our, at a local parish I'm, I'm attending, and I thought, that is really cool. That is, again, the Catholic Church just, it's so well-rounded and comprehensive, uh, from the arts to science, it, it, it hits every angle and it all points to God as being this beautiful creator that loves us so much. And so when you're talking about the bees, I, I, it's like, yes, that touched my heart in a brand new way. I'm constantly being surprised by what the Catholic Church has to offer. 
And it doesn't, I said to somebody, I said, you know, if you're a Catholic and you become Protestant, you got to give up a lot. I said, mm. if you're a Protestant and you become a Catholic, you get to keep what you got, and you get so much more. So true. I mean, you still get Jesus, you still get the Bible, but you get the tradition of the Church, you get the apostolic succession, you get uh, the saints, you get Mary and all these great people in your corner that are—you just get so much more. So there's nothing to lose but everything to gain. So I—anyways, I just want to thank you again for just God using you the way he does. Um, Humor, karaoke songs and all, I laugh sometimes (laughs) so hard I, I'm really glad you didn't go on any further. A couple of months ago, you were doing a karaoke song. Yeah, yeah, kind of get carried away. <laughs> Stay in your lane, because although you have a pretty good voice, oh, I, I thought you. you know what you you could you could pull that off. But um, anyways, <laughs> I just uh, you're kind of like the the mentor that I always needed and wanted but never had, and uh, I just get a I get a real joy out of listening to you. Um, I try to listen to you twice a day at your early show. Um, I know that's not a call-in show, and then the, and then the evening drive home is, is is a highlight of my day. So, thank you. Well, <laughs> Steve, Steve, I thank you. I am I am so humbled by by what you're saying, and I'm just so thankful to have been used in some way to to help you on your journey home to the Catholic Church. And I feel like we all have a, a sacred responsibility to just pass on what we know, what we've learned from others. We all stand on the shoulders of giants, and and I've been yeah. blessed with with great teachers and mentors myself. And I just I just try to pass on what I've learned, and I, I'm really, really thankful to be a, a link in the chain that, that God used to, to to draw you in and, and experience the fullness of the faith. And I just love what you're saying. It, it, and I, I always use the analogy of the full meal deal as well, and, and you said it much better than I do with, <laughs> yeah. the, with, the, with the banquet. You know, hey, if you're going to get the burger, you might as well get the fries and the shake as well. And so we've got everything. Right. And, <laughs> I mean, I really love how you put that. That you know, if you're if you're Protestant, you become Catholic. You give up nothing, but you get so much more. There's so many more yeah, you do. helps from heaven that God has for you to help you in your journey and and get to where you need to be. And and Peter Kraft used to say that there's a lot of ways to to get from New York to Los Angeles. You can try hitchhiking. <laughs> you might you might you might get there. You might not. Uh, you could also <laughs> you could also drive. But the easiest way is to fly. Unless they come up with yeah. something better soon, but um, but having said right. that, being being in the Catholic Church is like flying because it's we've got the amenities, we've got we've got we've got the power to to get us to where we need to go. In some ways, hopefully Absolutely. quicker, you know, better, and yeah, no, and yeah. I, I just and I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm excited that you're evangelizing your friends as well, and they're seeing what God is doing in your life as you're experiencing these sacraments, and they're getting curious. You're kind of wetting their appetite, no doubt, and. And I, and I I am presently talking to a good, really good friend of mine who's Protestant, and he's asking a lot of questions about the sacrament of confession, and, and he just doesn't quite get how freeing it is. And I, I, I'm so happy that you put it that way, Steve. That was just uh, just beautiful. Well, it was really interesting. At our parish, uh, I think I can drop his name, Jeff Cavins, who uh, did the, the Bible timeline, and, and he works yeah. for Father Mike Schmitz, for the, and he knows a lot of people. He was going to be my RCIA sponsor, and he came out to me, and, 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 but God had that providentially worked out, because the guy that I got was fantastic. But Jeff was there um, Sunday, and he, or Saturday night, and he came up to me, and he just said, I'm, I'm so thrilled about you, you, you sticking with it, and you're, 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 you're coming in. And I said, I, I couldn't be happier. But what he told me, he said, Steve, he said, the best thing that you can do when you get into conversations, especially, because he was a Protestant pastor, too, he said, let them... See the joy of Jesus in your life. 
Mm-hmm. He said, that's going to speak yeah. louder than anything else. He said, yeah, you got to have answers. And he says, we've got answers. Believe me. He said, there's answers for every ob- objection. And I had several of them when I started off. I, you know, that's why I went on purgatory. I, I had a hard time with that at first. But mm-hmm. now I don't because I know that there's biblical support for yeah. it, and it makes so much sense. But um, it's that whole idea of keeping the joy and not looking at it as a you got to win an argument because that that, yeah. that in the end really won't work. So I, I see that in your life too. You're very. I like that you can laugh and you can kid, you can joke, but then you're you're, you're a really good theologian and that answers the questions in a very in a very thorough manner. But you're still a real guy that likes to have a beer at the end of the day and and laugh at a good joke, and that's that's a powerful thing. And Jeff told me he said, uh, "Don't don't lose that, Steve, because." Mm-hmm. Winning a fight is not or an argument is not gonna is not gonna do it. He said you got to have those those answers, but he said just enjoy your faith and live it in front of these guys, and and, and see and see what happens. And in fact, my wife, she's still on the fence, but she said to me, she goes, mm-hmm. Steve, all I know is that I like the man I'm married to much better now. <laughs> that you're wow. That, you know, I was I was on this Catholic journey, and I'm praying, I'm praying to. The saints, and I'm asking God directly that he would uh, do a work in her life. And she loves Jesus. Uh, She just hasn't taken that journey yet. So that's my next big step. And then i got a family from there, and then I've got a lot of friends that need need this. They're going to want this. It's more than an an obligation. It's an opportunity that that Jesus himself started. And I just, I want everybody to experience it because it's it's a beautiful thing. I, I couldn't imagine living any other way. Why would you want to? Why would you want to? Exactly. And and you said so many great things there, Steve. I really, really appreciate this call. God bless you, my brother. Welcome into the church family. And I'll be praying for your family as well. And I'm sure all of our listeners who are listening right now will do the exact same. And I love your excitement, your enthusiasm. Keep it going. Keep it rolling. Call back back anytime, Steve. God bless you. God bless you. That's so encouraging. Absolutely. Thank you for all the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Kale. Thank Bye you. Now. God bless you. And and we're so yeah. appreciative at Relevant Radio uh, of of stories like this when you share your story with us about how uh, what we do is, has helped you in some way to, to get closer to Christ, closer to his church. That's the mission of Relevant Radio, to bring Christ to the world through the media. And wow, what a power. That is, I'm just I'm just so touched by that. that that's, that's amazing. Steve in Minneapolis. Wow, wow. And you heard the excitement in his voice, the enthusiasm. And we should at least be as excited about the Catholic faith as we are about, you know, the latest and greatest restaurant that we've tried or the movie that we've seen. And and he's just got that infectious enthusiasm. And that, that's exactly right. That's what's going to get people interested. It's we can't walk around like we've been baptized in lemon juice. We all know the type. They're just We can't be bitter. We've got to be full of joy. There's so many things to be grateful for. And obviously, first first and foremost among those things is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. As St. Paul says, if he hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. We're all just wasting our time. But the good news is he has been raised. Alleluia, alleluia. And we'll be right back after this break on the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 914 9149. If you want to react to that, give us a call. 888-914-9149. How are you aligning your financial plan with your Catholic values? Is your Catholic faith influencing your financial future? Our sponsor, Creative Planning, has options. More info, including disclosures, at creativeplanning.com 
forward slash Catholic Focus. Hey, welcome back to the K.O. Clark Show on this Easter Monday, 888-914-9149. We just had a beautiful phone call from Steve in Minneapolis who came into the church. He called in last year with a question about the Catholic faith. He was really pondering it, really questioning stuff, and he's made it in. He is now a part of the family, and hopefully you are too, or you're somewhere on the journey too. We're just glad to be a part of your pilgrimage to Christ. This, this, this world is a pilgrimage, and we're on a pilgrimage to heaven, the true holy land. And some people are on a pilgrimage to Augusta, Georgia, of course, for the Masters. And John Rahm, the Spaniard won, the 28-year-old Spaniard, he did win the Masters yesterday. And it's, it was one of those years where the Masters fell during Holy Week. I hate when that happens, but uh, so last night we had, we had an Easter family gathering. I had recorded it. I PVR'd it. I swore everybody to secrecy. Don't tell me who won. I tried to watch it late last night. I didn't get too far. <laughs> it went pretty long. It was a long round. There's some pretty slow play out there. Patrick Cantley, I'm looking at you. And uh, even uh, John Rahm himself and Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka finished second and kind of, you know, really... He had it in his grasp and, and just uh, just let go. And um, but John Rahm, very impressive performance. Patrick Alog, uh, can I bring you in here? We we have to we have to confess. We have to make our confession here about who we actually picked to win the Masters and how wrong we were. I was going to pick. I know it's easy to say this. I was going to pick John Rahm, and I I I, I didn't. And uh, hey, I don't well, blame you for your pick. He was the odds-on favorite, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, actually, when I when I was typing up some notes for today's show, it auto-corrected to, um, I, I tried to type in Scotty Scheffler, and I, it somehow auto-corrected to Scotus Scheffler, <laughs> like the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe one day he will go into the legal field, but, but right now he's a professional golfer. He did not win. He did not repeat. I thought he would. He finished tied for 10th. And we all had sort of a fun dark horse pick as well. I, my dark horse pick was Corey Connors, my fellow Canadian who missed the cut. Corey, come on, man. He was a great ball striker, but uh, he he really struggled uh, this past weekend. But I'm sure he'll be back. Patrick Alog, you had as your winner. You picked Jordan Spieth, and he weren't too far off. He finished tied for fourth. Sort of backdoor, um, coming from from a long way away. But hey, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And he had the most birdies of anyone uh, in the Masters. Had eight birdies on Sunday. And so did Phil Mickelson, who finished second. Wow. The ageless wonder. I don't know what's in the coffee he's drinking, but uh, please give me some. Uh, one, of course, the PGA Championship at the age of he was fifty-one, or he was about to turn fifty-one. I think he was. I think he was fifty at the time. But uh, he's uh, yeah, he's fifty-two now, I believe, going to be turning fifty-three soon. And so Phil finished second. Uh, your dark horse pick was Justin Rose. He didn't do too badly either. He kind of scared the uh, top of the leaderboard for a while. Finished tied for sixteenth. Uh, Jim Shaper is not here today. I, I think he uh, took today off because he didn't want to face the music on his master's picks. He had picked Taylor Moore. Now, Jim doesn't watch golf. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. He, he, he gave it the old college try, though. He picked Taylor Moore, who finished tied for 39th. His dark horse pick was Seamus Power, who tied for 46th. So, Hey, um, all, it looks like all, did all of our players make the cut? Corey Connors didn't. My, oh, my dark okay. horse pick did not. Yeah, he 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 didn't. But uh, but Scotty actually was. He had it. He had it kind of working on Sunday after eleven. He birdied eleven. I thought, ooh, he wasn't too far back. And uh, at the time, the leaders were struggling. But but he uh, 
went on to bogey uh, a couple more holes down the stretch and didn't quite get, close the deal, but not not bad. He, he putted poorly, very poorly the fir- first three rounds. And by the way, John Rahm, if you're into numerology and dinks, um, this was the tournament for you because it was, of course, April the 9th, 4-9. That, that was Easter Sunday, the last day of the Masters. John Rahm wins. And, of course, he is now the fourth Spaniard to win the green jacket, the other ones being, of course, Seve Ballesteros, the great late, the late great Seve Ballesteros, who won in 1980 and 1983. It was the 40th anniversary of Seve's last win in 83, and it was also Seve's birthday, and uh, April the 9th. So how about that? The other and, uh, Spanish... Well, go and ahead. Kale, go there's actually... Mm-hmm. I was thinking you are going to mention this one, too. His, his caddy's bib number, guess what it was, Kale. I, I was going to mention that. Yeah, oh, but, sorry. You know, but that's fine. That's yeah. fine. No, I'm glad. You, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because in case I in case I wasn't going to mention, it, yeah, his, his bib number. Every caddy has a has a, a number on his bib. They all wear the same outfit during the Masters. Kind of this white uh, bib, and the defending champ gets number one, but everybody else just gets a number assigned to them based on the order they show up to the tournament. So I guess if you have a high number, it means you're late. But uh, John Rahm was uh, the 48th guy, but because Scotty Scheffler got number one, his caddy. He was number 49. So, again, 4-9, April the 9th. Ooh, okay. So, uh, but I got to tell you, uh, John Rahm, uh, he had the bad side of the draw, too. He had he had to deal with some weather issues that Brooks Kepka did not. Brooks Kepka had a couple of hot rounds to start off and and really played poorly in the third round, uh, on, on which was finished on uh, on Sunday morning and uh, really didn't, didn't do much there. But... Uh, but anyways, uh, got to hand it to Rom. A really, really uh, great job, and the fourth Spaniard to win. The other two uh, winners, of course, being Jose Maria Olazabal, and he was gre- he actually greeted John Rom off the green on the 18th green. Showed up, of course, being a former champion, and Sergio Garcia in 2017 uh, was the the last Spaniard to win. By the way, he's the first European to win the U.S. Open and the Masters. Never been done by a European before. Uh, Seve won the British Open and the Masters. So how about that? That's pretty good accomplishment. That's pretty good accomplishment. So uh, overall, it was a pretty satisfying back nine on, on Sunday and a uh, fun championship. And and we'll try to get better picks for the next major, which will be, of course, the PGA Championship in May. Everything got kind of moved around. but And... That's it. I guess we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time for today, but we want you to stay tuned, of course, for Trending with Timory. Timory's back this week. Glad to have her back. And then, of course, Father Rocky will be along with the family Rosary Across America. And don't forget to join me tomorrow for The Faith Explained. That's the other show that I host at 1230 Central here on Relevant Radio. And today, if you missed it, we started talking about evidence for the resurrection. How would you convince a skeptic about the resurrection? We started talking about the five minimal facts that virtually every historian, even if they're a skeptic, they will grant you these five facts. Jesus died by crucifixion, the empty tomb, the conversion of Paul. There's a couple more. Check out the podcast, and we'll finish that off tomorrow as well. Evidence for the resurrection, 1230 Central, The Faith Explained. This has been The Kale Clark Show. I'm Hem, and Patrick Alog produced. Thomas Essinger took your phone calls. God bless you. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.